You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Well, good morning. Anybody like cake? I love cake. I celebrated my (coughs) second birthday this past week. No, 52. Nothing to be ashamed of, right? Nothing to be ashamed of. But I tell people I am way too young to be this old. And I have seven grandkids, and I'm proud of every single one of them. And so, uh, yeah, so I, uh, I had a little bit to eat this week that I probably shouldn't have eaten. But yeah, we're going to start this series. We're starting a series today called I Love My City, and, and I, uh, I absolutely love our city of Kannapolis. And uh, whether Kannapolis is home to you, and I mean, I actually live in China Grove, so I got a China Grove home that I love China Grove, and I love Landis, I love Kannapolis, I love Mount Pleasant. I like going down there and eating that steak place down there. It's so good. And uh, I like Concord. I mean, I love Concord. I love Salisbury, except Salisbury Walmart. That's off limits. Um, I love Enochville. I love Locust. I love Rockwell. Oh, I love Rockwell. Yeah, they got a Dollar General out there. I love to visit. <laughs> anyway, there's a Dollar General everywhere, right? And um, <clears throat> <laughs> but anyway, I love, I love my city. And, and I, I wasn't born here, okay? I'm a transplant. I'm a transplant to the north, I would call it, um, because I was born actually in Dallas, Texas. And uh, even to this day, when I go back to Dallas occasionally, there's just something about Dallas that I just, I love. I love Dallas. I love the Dallas Cowboys. Come on. And if I get a boo right there, that's appropriate. Go ahead. I booed them a couple of weeks ago, so join the crowd. I mean, so, but I love that. But I grew up in North Louisiana, and I love going home to North, to to Louisiana, going back to Ruston, where I grew up, and man, I just love going back to that home cooking at my mama's house. I love to go to some of those local restaurants and eating some of that Cajun food. Mm, It just, it just does my heart good to go home back to Ruston occasionally, but, but I love where I live right here in North Carolina. We've been here 18 years. Our roots are deep here. This is the longest we've ever lived anywhere. And I absolutely love it here. And so I think that ought to be the way we are about our city. But the problem is, is when we live in our lives, and if you grow up somewhere, you know this, I mean, you go like, man, if I could only get out of North Carolina. I remember the first year I ever took students away to camp when I was a youth pastor here. The first time I ever took students away, we went to Florida and I remember getting into South Carolina, and some of those students said it's the first time they'd ever been out of North Carolina. I'm like, seriously? And, and, and it, was, it was amazing how many people had not traveled out of their home state. But, but we kind of had this idea, if I could just get out of this town, if I could just get out of here, if I could just move away, and we kind of get that. And really, what happens to us is we get to a place where we just live in this idea of if only I. And so let me ask you this. Have you ever thought life would be better if only I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It's only, if, if I were only rich, when I mean, we talked about giving last week and you were like, if I was only rich, I could give. If, and some people were like, if I were only married. And then some people were saying, if only I weren't married. <laughs> you know, if only I had kids. And some of you are like, if, if only the kids would grow up and get out of the house. You know, when you're a, when you're a student, you're, you kind of get in that place. If I only had my driver's license, or if I only had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or if I only had a, a prom date, if only I were married, if only I, and we kind of go through life going, if only I were older. And we get older, you're going, if only I were younger. 
And we live in this kind of world where we just kind of live in this whole, if only, if only, if only things were different, then things would be better. And there's a verse that many of you are very familiar with. It may be your life verse that you might have this tattooed on your body somewhere. And it's Jeremiah 29, 11. And the reason so many people like that verse is because it gives us hope for peace. And it gives us hope about something that is different than where we are right now. Because in this world that we're living in, wherever phase of life you're in, there's always some level of tumultuous living. There's always a level of stress. There's always a level of, man, if only I were not in this place of life, if only I did not live here, if only I did not, and you fill in the blank with whatever it is. But Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, I know the plans. This is what God says. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for good, to give you a future and a hope. And we look at that and we go, man, we love the idea of a future hope. We love the idea of everything that this verse offers. The, the, the plans for our welfare. Some translations actually say your prosperity. And I think that may be part of why we like that. We think prosperity would be great. Um, but it's actually the word, it's shalom. It's actually the word for peace peace, and it's translated different ways. But we certainly live with this idea of a future hope and future peace and, and a future place that we can be. And so we look forward to that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But today I just want to take you back to the beginning of the passage in Jeremiah chapter 29. So if you have your Bible, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 1, we're going to jump back to the beginning. Part of it you may have not ever read, and why God wrote this or said this to the nation of Israel. So it was written, written specifically to Judah, which was in the kingdom of Israel, was divided into two parts. The southern kingdom, the bottom two tribes, were Judah, and the northern ten tribes were Israel. That was how they were divided for a while. Jerusalem sat in the southern kingdom. And so that's where these exiles that we're going to be talking about, they were out of the kingdom of Judah or the southern kingdom of Jerusalem specifically. And here's how it starts out. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah, the prophet. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet because he wept over the nation of Israel, that they had abandoned God, that they had turned from God, and God had taken them out of Jerusalem and, and put them in exile in Babylon. So Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests. And so this exile was taking place in around 597 B.C., so this is before Christ, Old Testament, and it was a number of years, about 900 years or so, 900 to 1,000 years before Christ is when this was written or, and this was taking place. And so he's writing this to these exiles who were there in Babylon. And so, and to the priest, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was the agent whom God had used to take the children of Israel, the, the, the Israelites, out of Jerusalem, out of that southern kingdom, and into Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar was the reason, but the purpose was for them to, to, to learn to turn back to God. That was God's ultimate purpose in putting them in, in exile. And so when Jeremiah wrote this letter, his purpose was to give them instruction on how they were to live in Babylon, a place for all accounts and purposes, was what we would look at and say, that is a God-forsaken place. They were immoral. 
They were far from God. They worshiped other gods. But yet God has taken his people out of Jerusalem, the place he had promised them, the place that flowed with milk and honey, the place that had been promised them from the time of Abram, Abraham, and had taken them out of that place and put them into Babylon for a reason. And he had used Nebuchadnezzar to do that. And the whole time they're there, they're hoping to be delivered out of Babylon. They're hoping to be delivered out of this place that they had found themselves. And so what Jeremiah is doing is he giving them instruction on while you're in Babylon, while you're in this city that Nebuchadnezzar has brought you to, I've got some instructions on how you are to live. And here we are, we find ourselves right here in Kannapolis, Concord, Huntersville, wherever you live, Mooresville, wherever it is that you call home, that is the place that God has placed you. And so the question is, how do we love our city? How do we love ourselves? And as even Sean mentioned, when we live in a culture and maybe in our cities that we see things taking place that we don't like, we see things taking place that we disagree with morally. When we look at those things and we go, how can we love a place that is becoming increasingly more and more maybe like Babylon, but yet God has placed us here and how are we to love our city? So if you jump down to verse four, here's what Jeremiah began to say. It says, this is a letter that he wrote, thus says the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, reminding them of who's writing this and who is saying this, to all the exiles... The Lord is saying this, whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So although Nebuchadnezzar was the agent, God was the one who had orchestrated every bit of it. God was the one who ultimately had brought the children of Israel out of Jerusalem, out of, Israel, out of Judah, and into this wicked city of Babylon. God was the one who had orchestrated all of that and he had used the wicked king Nebuchadnezzar to do that. And let me just tell you this, this stay in Babylon was not going to be short-lived. This was not like they got there, they stayed there a couple of years and headed back to Jerusalem. No, this was gonna be a 70-year exile. 70-year exile. And so he said, why did God, why, we look at this and go, why would God take his people out of a place that he had promised them for years and years, generation after generation after generation, and God took them out of there and placed them in Babylon? What was his purpose? Well, the purpose was to reveal his plan for him. And so what you and I need to do, and I got four things that I want you to see from this passage today. First of all, when we look at this and we think, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. The first thing that you and I need to understand about life and about where we are and about where we live and about the phase of life in which we find ourselves, we need to get the right perspective. We need to get the right perspective. And for the children of Israel, God had intentionally taken them out of Jerusalem and into Babylon for a reason. He had a purpose and he had a plan. And let me just tell you, it was his choice. It was his choice to do that. It was also his timetable. There were other prophets that had come along. We'll look at this in a minute. There were other prophets who were false prophets. And they'd come along and they'd say, listen, you're not gonna be here very long, two years at the tops. So don't unpack your boxes, settle in. I mean, don't settle in, kind of keep yourselves on the go, ready to go, ready to get out of this place. And, and Jeremiah comes along and says, no, 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 this is gonna be a long stay. 
This is gonna be God's plan and it's gonna be for God's allotted time. And this was not going to be what you necessarily hoped for. And we look at our life and we go, you know what, this is not what I hoped for. If we would go back 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, we'd go back to the younger us, and if we were to write the script of our life, many of us would not put ourselves where we are. Some of us would, but others of us would go, this was not the story I would have written about my marriage. This is not the story I would have written about my children. This is not the story that I would have written about my career. This is not the story that I would have written about whatever. But you know what? God has allowed that to take place in our lives for a reason. These exiles, I'm sure they were impatient. They were ready to get out of there. And they were always looking at the the what if, if only I, if only things were different. And that's the way we could live our lives. We can live our lives and we could always be thinking, if only things were different. But if we look at it and we get the right perspective, we'll go, you know what, God, for some reason, this is where I find myself. And I just want to know, Why? Why do you have me here? What is the purpose? What is your plan that you're unfolding in my life by having me in this place, by allowing me to go through whatever it is that I am going through? What is the purpose? What is the plan? If we'll ask that question, it will help us get the right perspective. So here's what he says. While you're in Babylon, I want you to do this. I want you to build houses and live in them. I want you to plant gardens and eat of their produce. I want you to enjoy the fruit of the land. I want you to unpack your boxes. I want you to get, stop living out of the garage. I want you to live, settle in. I want you to build houses, live in them, enjoy everything around you. And I want you to plant some gardens because you're going to be here longer than just a short season. You're going to live here long enough to enjoy the fruit of the land. So while you're doing that, I want you to do this. I want you to take wives And I want you to have sons and daughters. I want you to take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. I don't want you to look around at the world that you live in and go, this is an awful place and refuse to bring children into that world because it is an awful world and it is scary and there are a lot of things that, that we should be greatly concerned about. But he's saying, listen, I don't want you to decrease the numbers of my people. As a matter of fact, I want you to do all that you can to multiply that. And so while you're there, I want you to get productive in every area of your life. Build houses, live in them, live off the ground, plant your vineyards, plant your fruit, plant the gardens, do all of those things. And then I want you to just celebrate and and raise your family right in the midst of Babylon. God, you want me to bring kids into this awful world? Absolutely. Because you're God's people, I want you to multiply and fill the land. So unpack and stop living in the if only I. Stop living if we will do this when or we'll always be better when things are better or when we're better off. Listen, You can always sit around and wait on the perfect conditions, but let me tell you something. I've lived long enough to know the perfect conditions for you to be happy will never occur. They're not gonna come. There's always gonna be something in this life that disturbs us, and we can walk through life and mope and gripe and complain and bicker. I love that word. My mom used to love that. Why are y'all bickering in there? But we do, we live that way, and we live stressed. I was playing golf yesterday. Yeah, here's the story. I was playing golf yesterday. Minding my, me and three other guys playing golf, enjoying ourselves. 
And there was a twosome that came up behind us and they had to wait on us on two, two coming up on the green and teeing off on, the, on hole number three. Well, as we were getting off the golf carts on a, on a par three, we're getting off and I told the guys with me, I said, y'all wanna let them play through? And I looked up the hill and they're coming on down. As they made the turn, the dad, who had like a 20-something-year-old son, looked at us and I said, hey man, how y'all doing? He goes, you a-hole? I was like, and he drove around and went to the next tee box. My flesh welled up in me. If I can just confess for just a moment. And I turned around with my golf club in hand. And I walked toward them and I said, what did we do to you? And he said, nothing. I said, no, what did we do to you that you would call us that? And he said, you didn't let us play through. I said, I just told the other guy. And his son starts going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Everything's okay, everything's okay. And so we just kind of make jokes about it. The other guys found it funny that I got called that. And so we're sitting there. And as we're getting ready to putt on the next green, we couldn't help but watch them tee off on the next hole. And that dad hit one that didn't go 25 yards. And don't think we didn't laugh. We laughed so hard at that. But anyway, I don't know where that fit in this. I just had to unpack that for you just a moment, okay? I had to, I had to get that off my chest. Because <laughs> it, was, it was stressful, but it was fun. I was thinking, why in the world is that guy under that much stress that he had to do that? I mean, really, you're out there playing golf on a 72-degree day. Seriously. With your son. Why you got to act like that? But some people are in so much stress over life that everybody else gets their spewing Everybody else gets their negativity. Everybody else gets their overflow of all that putrid stuff that's going on in their heart. And we need to sit back sometimes and just go, listen, we need to be happy where we are because God has placed us here. Yeah, it's not the greatest hand. We may not have been dealt the hand that we would have chosen, but God has given us that for some reason for us to look to him and get the right perspective. But we need to be productive in the midst of where we are. We need to let what we're in be used for God's glory and for our good. And so he goes on. He says, but seek the welfare of the city. Seek the peace. This is that shalom word again. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. I want you to rem reminding them again. You look for the peace of the city that I have put you in. You look for the peace in the family that I have placed you in. You look for the peace in the job that I have given you. You look for the peace in the community in which I have placed you. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. In its peace, you will find your peace. In its shalom, you will find your shalom. You know what brings me a lot of stress? When I always turn on the wrong road up here going down Brantley and I can't cross over Lane Street. That has brought me a lot of stress recently. And I ask myself, why did we take Lane Street from a four lane to a three lane? And you're applauding that. Because we would think that. But you know what I do? I go, Lord, just help me remember which road to turn on. Because I'm having to do U-turns regularly 
on, and I think that's a hazard to your health if you're coming up the road like that. And it's using extra gas. But we need to pray for the welfare of our city. We pray for the peace of our city. Somebody who knows a lot more about designing roads than I do designed that. And I'm just going to trust the process, okay? I'm going to trust that it's helped me not get rear-ended when I'm trying to turn on China Grove Road because now I have a turning lane. I'm going to trust that process, that somebody's smarter than me, but I'm also going to pray for my city, and I'm going to be praying for those who are in the leadership of our city. I'm praying for the developers of our city. Kannapolis, Concord, we're growing fast, and I'm praying that as this rapid growth takes place and as God makes this city prosperous, that we are praying for the welfare, for the peace of our city. I pray for our first responders. I pray for our law enforcement. I pray for all of our government officials. I pray for the schools. I pray for the leadership in our schools. I pray for the students in our schools. I pray for those who are working in our uh, community, that God will give us peace, that God will be looking out for our welfare. And yes, things may not go the way we think they ought to go, Yes, things may not be developing the way that we think they ought to develop. Yes, you would love for the mill to still be here. Yes, you would love to still have all the mill houses and everybody mingling around down there. But that time is gone. We've got a new Kannapolis here, and we need to pray for our city. And we need to have the right perspective about that. So we need to be prayerful. Get prayerful. The people that, that we are going to minister to need us to pray. These people were going to be in Babylon for a long, long time. And God was sending his prophet and saying, listen, I want you to pray for the peace of Babylon. Because when Babylon's at peace, you will be at peace also. You pray for the prosperity. You pray for the wealth. You pray for the, the, the harmony. You pray for your city to to do well and stop moping around and wishing things were different. We should always pray things where, where God, your will in heaven be done on earth. We should always pray that. But listen, as Christians, we gotta get in and we gotta do our part. We gotta settle into our city and make a difference in our city. For thus says the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your, I never did figure out, is that diviners or diviners? Do what? It is diviners? Okay. I was hooked on phonics, and it doesn't work on that word. <laughs> do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. Because these, there are some prophets that were coming along, and they're going, listen, I just want you to know you're only going to be here for two more years. Two years of tops in Babylon, and then you're out of here. And Jeremiah was saying, no, 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 that's not the case. You're going to be here for about 70 years, as we'll see in just a minute. You're going to be here for a long, long time. And listen, if you listen to, the, to some of the people around us, they're telling us that they're, they're, they're setting dates and they're saying, as Christians, we're out of here before the year's over. And I've been hearing that since 1988, when there were 88 reasons the Lord was going to come back in 1988. A guy wrote a book about it. And you know what didn't happen in 1988? The Lord did not come back in 1988. And I've been living with that ever since. Okay, so you know what I've learned? That I believe strongly that the Lord could and should come back in any moment. But what I've also learned is there's an in the meantime that I've got to keep my ear toward heaven listening for the trumpet 
but my hand to the plow and my feet firmly planted on the word of God and just keep moving forward doing what God has placed me here in Babylon. Not that Canapolis is Babylon, but what he has placed me here to do. And don't be deceived by people who would tell you otherwise. Don't be deceived by people that would mislead us. Four, it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. He goes on and he says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are, co are completed for Babylon, you're gonna be there 70 years. When that's over, I will then visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise. God is always going to fulfill his promise to his people, always, and bring you back to this place. For, he says, I know the plans that I have for you. You may not know my plans. You may want to know my plans, and you may think you can unfold my plans, but I know the plans that I have for you specifically as a people. And it's not gonna be that you're gonna be out of this very soon. It's gonna be a 70-year stay in Babylon. So I know the plans that I have for you, and you've gotta trust my plan for you. You've gotta trust that. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, plans for peace, and not for evil. To give you a future and to give you a hope. He says, then, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So we got to be careful that we are seeking him with all our heart. Because as he closes it up, he says this, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Listen, what I do believe is I believe strongly that at some point along the way, God is going to call me home. It may be by death or it may be by the rapture of the church. But one of these days, we're out of here. Okay? If you're a follower of Jesus, we're out of here. But in the meantime, we have been placed here for a reason. And we need to understand that God has placed us in Babylon. Get the right perspective. Make sure that we are productive. Make sure that we are prayerful. And finally, when we do that, we can get peaceful. We can get peace. We can have peace knowing that we are God's children and that he is going to one day take us out of this world and that we will be forever in heaven with him. Forever. But in the meantime, we have an obligation to our city, to the community in which we live to make a difference. And over the next five weeks, we're gonna talk about what that looks like. What does it look like for us to be in the world and to be in our city and to love our city the way Christ wants us to love our city? It means that we need to find meaning in our suffering. We need to find, find meaning in the suffering in which we find ourselves. Continue to choose life over moping around and looking like you just ate a pack of lemons. That's not what God wants for us. Rather than growing bitter, resentful, or cynical, we need to seek the shalom. We need to seek the peace that God wants for us in the place in which we live. Because here's what Jesus said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. It's not as the world gives do I give it to you. 
Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He's telling this to his followers. You don't have to be troubled of heart. You don't have to be afraid because I've come that you might have peace. I've, came to, I've come to give you peace. I've come to give you shalom, a sense of peace in this life that's tumultuous. And there is some persecution. There is some trouble that you're going to experience. But in the midst of all of that, I want you to have peace. And he goes on and he also says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Shalom. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And just as Christ has overcome the world, those of us who are in Christ Jesus, by putting our faith and trust in him, we have peace that we will overcome the world as well. But if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll never know that peace. You'll never know that peace. You'll never know how you can walk through a valley of the shadow of death and have nothing to fear because God is with you. Because our help comes from the hills. It comes from the Lord to whom we look to. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you'll never know that peace. But you know what's amazing? Is you have the opportunity today to do that. You have an opportunity to trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And you can have that peace that overcomes the trials and the tribulation of this world. And we would love to talk to you. If you'd like to, to know more about how you can follow Christ, come talk to Tom or me at the, at the front during this next song or meet us back in the guest VIP room right after this service. But let me give you a couple of things to think about. Number one, how does your perspective need to change about where you are in life? Are you living in the, if only I, if only things were different, how does your perspective need to change about where you are right now? How do we need to put our eyes on God and understand it from his perspective? How can you be more productive during this season of life? What is it that God wants you to do right now to be more productive? And number three, will you commit to pray for the peace in your city? And then finally, what is robbing you of the peace that God wants for you? What are you allowing to weigh you down to the place that you can't have the peace that God wants for you? Let's all stand together. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we have peace from you. And Lord, as Christians, it's my prayer that we would pray for the peace of our city. That we would pray that all of our surrounding communities, God, we're represented so many different places right here in this room tonight or this morning. And so it's my prayer that we would pray earnestly to you for what it is you want for our city. God, I know that charity can make such a, a difference. And I know that it's by us as followers of you being mobilized into a city that you placed us in, making a difference. And so over the next few weeks, I just pray that we would be willing and obedient to do what you want us to do. And today that we would begin with prayer. That we would get on our knees before you and seek your face and turn our hearts to you. God, I pray for those among us who are employees in the community, that God, we would represent you well. God, I pray for those who are business owners 
in our community, in our church, that they would represent you well. As consumers that go in and out of convenience stores and grocery stores and other places, God, I pray that everywhere we go, we would represent you well. And today, if there's somebody here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, my prayer is that you would convict them and draw them to yourself. And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen.